In the name of Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, amen. Today we celebrate the feast of Christ the King, the last Sunday of the church's liturgical year. A few years ago we had a typo that said the feast of Chris the King. It's good to be the king. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent and the beginning of a new church year. So we close out a liturgical year, which points us into Advent. The Feast of Christ the King is actually a relatively recent addition to the church year. It was proclaimed by the Roman Catholic Pope Pius XI in 1925. 1925, that's pretty recent in terms of church history. It was later adopted by Anglican and other Protestant churches and then moved from its original date to the final Sunday of the church year. Pope Pius started the feast following World War I in response to growing secularism and nationalism. Originally, it had a heavy heavy emphasis on judgment. In the Lutheran Church of Sweden, it was called Sunday of Doom, (laughs) which definitely should have been an Ingmar Bergman film. In declaring the feast, Pius wrote, the feast of Christ the King will call to earthly rulers' minds the thought of the last judgment, wherein Christ, who has been cast out of public life, despised, neglected, and ignored, will most severely avenge these insults. For his kingly dignity demands that the state should take account of the commandments of God and of Christian principles, both in making laws and in administering justice. It's pretty heavy. Now, Pius was not entirely pious in his intent. He founded the feast at a time when the Vatican was in conflict with the Italian government over the sovereignty of the Holy See and Vatican City. So he was trying to assert something here. And in his words, he certainly seems to be advocating replacing one form of secular political power with another one based on the church. But in the readings that we now use for Christ the King we hear a very different story. Christ was crucified for sedition. The sign over him on the cross read, this is the king of the Jews. Proclaiming Jesus as king was a direct threat to Roman rule. In Jewish worship, there is a prayer often used that says, 
You are in truth, Lord of your people, their defender and mighty king. You are first and you are last. We have no king or redeemer but you. Yet at Jesus' trial, the Jewish leaders proclaim, we have no king but Caesar, the very opposite of their prayer. Now they say this mostly to try and preserve their own marginal power, but it is the Jewish leaders' acquiescence to Roman authority that seals Jesus' fate. And this is the origin of the sinful and costly anti-Semitism that has plagued Christian history and the world. Once the church became the empire, Jews were scapegoated in the same way that Jesus had been scapegoated. So here we have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords enthroned on the cross with a crown of thorns. This brutal scene shows the kingship of Christ. Rather than the avenging Christ Pope Pius envisioned, we see Jesus showing us a new way of being in relationship with one another in God's realm, where power is expressed through costly vulnerability. One writer noted that as rulers go, Jesus' approval rating on Good Friday was abysmal. Indeed, only one thief acknowledges his innocence. And yet, and yet, it is the true power of God on display. As another writer said, on the cross, Jesus is the fullest human expression of God's vulnerability, the one who embraces our humanity in all of its limitation and humiliation. At his coronation, Jesus' rule is seen in forgiveness and unwavering self-giving love even to those who have not been loyal to him. The ruler of the kingdom of God does not help himself, but helps those who need his help. Evil is repaid with good. Are we seeing how God expresses leadership here in this passage? Do we ourselves model that? Do we expect it of our own political, business, and community leaders? As Americans, it can be hard for us to really grasp the notion of a king, especially one with absolute power, as opposed to a figurehead. Perhaps saying, Christ is our true president, gives a sense of the competing authority. But Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, and we live in a democracy, not a monarchy. So the only election we really have here 
is if we will elect to follow the way of the world or the way of Jesus. Pope Pius said that Christ is the king of our hearts. Christ is the king of our hearts by reason of his charity, which exceeds all understanding. So on this Sunday, let us ask ourselves, who is the king of my heart? Have I been more captive to the powers of this world than loyal to the way of Jesus? In the context of our gospel reading, the feast of Christ the King comes down to one question. Which of the criminals are you? I really think that is the fundamental choice presented in this passage. Put yourself in the criminal's places on either side of Jesus One criminal joins the leaders and soldiers in mocking Jesus, but then also asks to be saved. Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. This is the way of the world, the way of earthly kings. Jesus is only so good as he can do something for us when we need him. Otherwise, we are the king of our lives. We only ask God for help when we need it. We blame God when bad things happen. But the good that happens is due to our own merit, because we earned it and deserve it. The other criminal sees that the innocent Jesus is dying in order to save us, from the sentence of condemnation. He sees that Jesus is most powerful when he is most vulnerable and self-giving. This criminal in turn matches Jesus' vulnerability with his own. He confesses and asks for mercy. So there is the choice. Which one of the criminals are you? Which one am I? Truth be told, I fluctuate between them, hopefully spending more and more time resembling the criminal who repented, and less like the one who turned to Jesus only out of self-interest. Yet Christ is remarkably patient with us, in this process. Christ's property is always to show mercy, just as he showed mercy to those who crucified him, and I believe ultimately to the criminal who derided him. As we experience Christ's mercy in our own lives, may it remind us to show that same mercy to others. Our pledge of allegiance to our King is a pledge to live a cross-shaped life, a pledge to walk in the way of love, a pledge to be vulnerable, 
and not hide our own weaknesses. Our pledge of allegiance to our King is a prayer to the one who, in great humility, conquered death by death. Jesus died for us so that we might live for others. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom.